0: can you hear that that is wind blowing so my watch just said hey Dave if you went for a brisk walk for the next 25 minutes you could close all your rings today so I'm like ah. all right I'll go out for a walk but I gotta get this podcast done so what am I gonna do oh Why don't I record the podcast intro on my walk? So, that's what I'm doing. Welcome to the Bike Talk with Dave podcast. I am your host, Dave Mabel, and I am going for a walk on a brisk November. It's cold, cold, a little bit of snow, a little bit of ice, November night to welcome you to the Bike Talk with Dave podcast. My guest today, I'm very excited to introduce you to. I was introduced to Squid Bikes, I think in 2017, when Emily Kachorek was racing the World Cup circuit. I met her at the Trek CX Cup and became a fan of Squid. What drew me to Emily was her super cool bike. I'm just gonna tell you all right now to go to Squid Bikes on Instagram and check out their feed. If you don't have Instagram, go to squidbikes.com and look at their creations, their art, their, it's gorgeous. <laughs> They're super fun, super creative, super cool bikes, super free-spirited and founded by my guest today, along with Emily Kachorik and two others whose name escaped me at the moment. But uh, anyway, I couldn't uh, couldn't pass up learning the story of squid i actually got squitted by emily in reno at cyclocross nationals i don't remember what year i think that was 18 2018 and uh maybe i'll play that see if i can dig up that video uh, of course it'll be audio because this is a podcast but uh anyway i'll see if i can dig up getting squitted by emily Kachorik. Yep, we are squidding my camera.
1: Yeah. Let's get this on there. Yeah.
0: Make sure it's perfect.
1: Actually, I want it to be not perfect, but there we go. I love awesome. it. Thank you, Emily.
0: Yeah. I am now in a tunnel under the road. Can you tell? Is there an echo? There is in my head. Uh, Anyway, Uh, so. Chris Namba, I ran into Chris at Fayetteville uh, Ozcross, Fayetteville World Cup, Cyclocross World Cup. Those are the words that I was searching for. And what's kind of funny, he was working. uh, I would say I'm fairly good friends with Sunny Gilbert, her husband, Doug, and I was hanging out at the blue competition tent which is where I met Cassidy Hickey, who you can listen to in the podcast prior to this. But uh, I looked in the blue blue team van, and there was a squid in there. And I thought, huh, that's kind of weird. Like the whole team is sponsored by blue bicycles. Why is there a squid in here? And then Doug was telling me about this dude's toolbox that I got to see this toolbox. And so maybe the next day I was there, and he's like, hey Dave, this is Chris, this is his toolbox. You got to see it. And uh, Chris is one of the founders of Squid. So that's who Squid it was, makes sense. And he got to show me his toolbox. He's gonna to tell you all about it. I asked Chris if he wanted to be on the pod because I would love to tell the story of Squid, what they're all about what they do and how you can be a squid with squid. So again, check them out on squidbikes.com or squidbikes on Instagram. Uh, You might also wanna check out spray bike on Instagram. Uh, They import the spray bike spray paint and you can check that out on Instagram. Just super creative. I'm gonna be quiet and let Chris do the talking. Chris Namba, Squid Bikes. Chris Namba, welcome to Bike Talk with Dave. I'm super excited to chat with you. I have been wanting to talk squid for a long time, and I was happy to run into you at Fayetteville and set this up. So thanks for coming on. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, for sure. How's it going?
0: Uh, Good. It's also fun that... I am just beginning to start a YouTube channel for this podcast, and you're you don't have video, so you are not <laughs> going to be on on my YouTube channel. And uh, you know, rock and roll. We'll put Emily on there because I've got a I've got a little clip of Emily when I talked her at Reno, which we'll oh, talk yeah. about later. But uh, anyway, you are a founder of squid bicycles which is super cool and i want to talk about that i'm so excited like in my preparation for this interview the only thing i could write down is like okay chris tell me the story of squid like i just want to hear the story of squid first tell me who you are like where do you come from in the bike industry like how long you've been riding
1: yeah so uh i live in sacramento california um I've been kind of around bikes since I was a kid. My dad uh, was an avid cyclist. He um, took me to bike races a bunch when I was uh, a kid. And so kind of grew up riding bikes and in, in the bike scene. Um, and then kind of fell out of it through high school and uh, was really into snowboarding, actually. But oh. then kind of worked at a ski shop that was also a bike shop. So to keep the job, I had to kind of also work on bikes in the summer and kind of got back into bikes and uh yeah, really picked it up in the like the fixed gear wave and like started riding track bikes and stuff and then found cyclocross a few years later and then yeah, it's just kind of snowballed for me
0: after that. Oh, that's cool. What kind of uh bike races did your dad take you to?
1: Uh mostly road. Hmm. So like I remember going to like San Francisco Grand Prix, Nevada City Classic uh tour california oh wow yeah
0: it's cool oh that is cool is he still around and riding yeah yeah
1: uh i uh, finally built him a squid in 2020 um he's like a big local photographer um so he goes to all the local sexy x races and shoots photos there and for the longest time that was like how everybody knew me was just like the photographer guy's son and then (laughs)
0: Were you his key grip? Did you have to haul his equipment around? No,
1: like for the first few races I went to, like, uh, he would like kind of run off into the bushes and go take photos. And then like I did my race and then sat around and drank beer and heckled at the barriers.
0: (laughs) Perfect. And then dad would show up at, uh, after the final podium and it was time to go home. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
0: That's cool. Uh, So snowboarding from Sacramento. Have you always lived in Sacramento? Uh,
1: I was born in Los Angeles, but Mm. I've lived here pretty much uh, most of my formative years from like middle school on.
0: So would you go up to like Tahoe?
1: Yeah, yeah. From like where I lived right off of like 50, uh, you could shoot up the highway pretty quick to get to like Sierra uh, or like Heavenly Resort from that way or like cut across and do 80 and then pretty easy to get to like boreal or north star in tahoe
0: oh that's cool that's awesome do you still ride the board at all
1: uh i try and get out like when I can i i went one time last season i'll probably do the same like once or twice after after worlds i'll I'll come home and then try and get some like slush riding in
0: now I'm just thinking and so I'll think out loud because this is a podcast but you're going to Europe, we'll talk about that in a minute, but you're going to Europe for cross, I don't know, do you ever, like, have a day to sneak off into the Alps or anything? Like, what a dream yeah, would that be?
1: I, I, yeah, I thought about trying to do it when we did Diebendorf Worlds, because like, oh, I'll be in Switzerland, i would be rad. But, like, a lot of the times, I, even as mechanics, we're bringing so much stuff that it'd be like, whole like additional bag like even with like my united status i have three bags but i'll take three bags like one of just like rain like clothing and rain gear uh one that's my toolkit and spare parts and then a lot of times i'll have my third bag is just like spare wheels and tires and stuff for the the team or whatever other things so it's it's tough to try and uh sneak a Snowboard in uh, on the itinerary as well.
0: And when you are more than, I would say, an enthusiast, when, when you really enjoy something, it's tough to go to the rental shop, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, all right, so you're, you grew up chasing your dad around the Criterium Circuit. You have done the fixie thing and got into cross. Where did Squid come from? First of all, what is Squid? For those who don't know, how how do you describe Squid?
1: Yeah. Uh, Squid's a bicycle brand. Uh, we primarily make uh, off-road bicycles. We do make a couple on-road options now. Mm-hmm. But uh, started out just making uh, U.S.-made aluminum cyclocross bikes. Um, and now we have track lacrosse. Uh, a track bike, we've got gravel bikes, we're gonna have a road bike next year. Um, still, most of our bikes are made in Northern California. We've got a few bikes that we make in Taiwan, um, but we're really uh, focused on trying to make uh, bikes in Sacramento and
0: Oakland. So they're actually, I don't, it, most of it's aluminum. Do you have some steel? yeah yeah we do some
1: steel um so everything all our aluminum bikes are made by uh ventana usa oh okay, in Sacramento. So, okay. Like, we work directly with them uh, on design and production um and then uh we have some steel bikes that are made by uh, a friend of mine uh and i like we have we started like a side project a few years ago just making because we wanted we we're really into making like one-off bikes and wanted to see like what we could do with it and it's kind of grown. Um, now we have like a small bicycle factory in Oakland. Um, the company's called Prandis, Um, and so our steel track lacrosse bike is made in Oakland. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's like basically like a single speed cross bike just with no brakes. Awesome. Yeah. Uh,
0: so, a hipster bike?
1: Yeah, I, I guess. Uh I don't know, like it it's hard, man. It's oh. like you're trying to ride cyclocross courses with no brakes and no gears. And so I it's I don't know that it's too hip. Yeah. It's just for, for people who are really dumb.
0: <laughs> well we're really talented. The whole thing is when you're riding a fixie And you come to that rock or that stump or that step, you can't just coast or backpedal to avoid the pedal smashing into that step or that stump. And the timing there is just super hard, I would imagine. Like that's the whole thing about that. It's like you, you don't really appreciate the ability to coast until you can't and there's a rock
1: yeah there's a lot of like hops getting.
0: and you like your pedal is just going straight into that rock and you can't do anything about that because of momentum and inertia and all sorts of other physics words but uh but that's i mean that's why fixed gear off road mountain bike cross bike whatever is so hard
1: yeah not so it's cool. okay
0: it is super cool yeah <laughs> Well, so is single speed. I always say single speed, like you're, you're sometimes you're in the right gear. Sometimes it's too big. Sometimes it's too small, but it is always cool. So when you're <laughs> going fixed, like multiply that by 10, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's uh, for, for us, it was just like a natural way of like, Oh, the, the trails where we ride every day. It's like when they got too easy with we- the normal cross bike, we start riding single speed all the time. And then like, okay, single speed bikes, you can dial all the lines into the point where it's no longer challenging. Like, how, how do we make it harder? It's <laughs> Like, take the brakes off.
0: Um, yeah, that sounds smart. Yeah. <laughs> Your bikes are built generally here in the US, California, Ventana. My wife and I rode a Ventana tandem for a bunch of years. So I'm familiar with their work for sure. They do a great job. Um, but there's something else unique about a squid. How would you describe the look? Oh, this yeah. This is a podcast, so you got to describe the look.
1: Uh, yeah. We um we do all of our paint jobs with uh spray paint. So we we also import and uh distribute like a bicycle specific spray paint. So we have a definite, I, I guess, style. <laughs> it's uh very like DIY. Uh, we we actually try and encourage a lot of customers to paint them. The bike themselves so we can supply them with all the, the decals and paint to do it themselves if they like, or um uh, we, we we will also paint the bike for them um with our uh we've got kind of what we call a sandwich menu where it looks kinda of like a, a deli menu with the different styles and colors you can select um to end up with a multitude of different
0: uh
1: options for for
0: a bike. Do you do you name the styles?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we have like splatter which is yeah, you know, like just splatter self-explanatory yes yeah. uh yep. one that's drip where we use like actually dish soap as the masking so we'll paint like a solid color or a fade and then pour dish soap all over the frame and then spray as uh, an additional layer of paint and then wash the the soap off and it leaves this kind of really organic fluid look to it um huh. where everything that had soap on it will stay like the bottom coat color um right we have uh one we call marble which is just saran wrap so you like paint the base Mm -hmm. color and then you kind of sponge it on with saran wrap and it leaves this kind of marbly texture uh and it's pretty cool um do some stuff with like torn tape to leave these kind of like loose like 80s rock vibe kind of shapes and stuff uh and we do let's see what else trying to look at what frames I have like hanging up in the shop right now
0: um well speaking of 80s rock vibe there's also a lot of color a lot of purple and neon and green and bright pink and like you're just super creative where do you get the ideas where do you get the inspiration
1: um I mean honestly like I've always been really interested in color and like color theory and stuff but also like i spent a lot of time looking at trains uh so like there's a couple train lines on my like daily ride and so like it used to be like oh 530, this train goes across like the this bridge and you can watch all the box cars go by and watch all like the big like graffiti pieces on all the box cars and you see like pretty cool color combos there and then like kind of take inspiration from some of the colors that they choose for that Um and then, yeah, always just trying to find different combinations. We have a, a wall of spray paint cans and say, like, sometimes if you, like, you're just staring at it naturally, will kind of, like, pull a few colors, like, from looking at it. It's like, oh, pull the cans off, kind of hold them together and look and see, like, these colors kind of go together well. And, uh, a lot, yeah, but a lot of customers lately, they just come to us with um, an idea and then we try and, like, take what they have and run with it and so we always like my my shop is covered in these like spray painted cans because what we do for every customer when they purchase a bike is we'll paint a sample for them before we actually paint the bike so i just have these empty cans that have been used to paint bikes that have now been painted with a style that is going to be their bike and then they don't always go with the bike because like uh we a lot, well, I try to send them all with them, but I uh, can't ship aerosol cans internationally. So any bike that goes to like Europe or Asia just stays here. And so then they kind of pile up after a while.
0: Dude, I don't, I, I'm, this is not your business consultation uh, meeting or anything, but I feel like you could sell those cans. Like those are, that's art, man. That's to have like an original squid experimental can would be freaking cool in my opinion so when you start making bank on empty aerosol cans uh you can take me to lunch all right
1: all right sounds good
0: (laughs) (laughs) i think that'd be cool do you have a favorite pattern um
1: not really. Like, I mean, the biggest thing for me is I I, I generally like when someone has a fresh idea because I, I don't like to repeat things that much, because mm-hmm. um, it's like it stays fun for me when I'm trying new things. Or if someone has an idea that they want, that's something we've never done before, then I get really excited. Like I've done a few more complicated jobs that were like, I guess, off menu. Uh, because it was just like an idea that maybe I got excited about. Like, uh, I painted a bike that was like leopard print. I've done like an elephant skin one, um, do a lot of like vinyl patterning with like logos and stuff as well, where it's just like, says squid over and over and over again over the entire frame, um, stuff like that. But yeah, it all just kind of depends. Um, but yeah, the biggest thing for me is just something that's either like, uh, new and exciting or challenging is like generally what I get excited about.
0: I, I just have so many questions that um, they're going through my head. So this will probably just all be very random conversation. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> um, do, do you ever, like customer gives you carte blanche or a customer says, I'm thinking this or I'm thinking that. And then you paint it up and you send it to them and they're like, you. Uh, so
1: I will, I have only ever had one customer who like, we painted the bike and then we sent them a picture of it and they were like, I don't like it. And I was like, all right, cool. Uh, it's the last one in that size. So I'll just refund your order. And they were like, no, 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 oh. no, I, I changed my mind. I still want it. <laughs> it was like, oh, they took
0: it as is? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. And it was like, that's I awesome. was I was shocked because it was like, they had basically just asked for like a neon fade. And so uh-huh. that's exactly what I did. I did a neon fade. And I was like, I, I honestly have no idea how I could have done it better. Like I did the, <laughs> the neon colors you wanted. And it was like... I've because it was like we went through all the normal process too where we painted the can they liked the can and it was like something oh. about going from like one like like an eight inch version of it to a full bike initially they didn't like and then but I think once they got the bike they were stoked. and that that's really it it's like I, I've tried to avoid that being a possibility by like always off like basically painting that test can so there's a proof of concept before we like put hours into actually painting a frame
0: yeah yeah that's a good idea and I feel like protection for you like well you approved the can that's like anywhere approving the t-shirt design or whatever and it's like hey once you approve it and you push print like that's what you're getting so that's fair I'd say that's a pretty good record too uh, because it can be I, I paint for a living and people always ask about color and it's like so different when it's a little two by two inch square taped to their wall or you paint the whole thing. And then they're like, Ooh, I hate it. Well, uh, all right. But <laughs> you picked the color, done. right? Yeah, You yeah. approved it. <laughs> yeah. We bought the paint and put it on the wall. So it is what it is. Do you consider yourself, uh, and I know we're going to talk about, Your work as a mechanic as well. And the work of a mechanic is very kind of meticulous, needs to be meticulous. can also be creative when you have a challenging problem. But, um, you know, you've got to do some stuff to exact figures and stuff. And your toolbox, I would use the word meticulous, is meticulous. So would you describe yourself... As an artist, or, uh, or, or just what a craftsman? Um, how would you describe yourself? How do you see yourself?
1: Yeah, I I would say I, I consider myself more of a craftsman than an artist. Um, I'm sure I have friends who would disagree, but uh, yeah, I don't know, like. Especially with painting, I can, like, it's funny because it's like, oh, yeah, it's art or, like, but I, I get also very meticulous about paint. And that's, like, uh, a thing, like, I, especially painting bikes, because uh, I've, I've also, automotive, like, used automotive paint to paint bikes. Um, mm-hmm. I actually have a background in doing uh, sign painting as well. And so that's, uh, but all of it is a lot of it is so much of it i guess is prep like like surface prep and so that that's a big part of it is cleaning and preparing the surface so that it it takes paint well uh and like uh and that that's like i think the part that nobody really sees and it's yeah. not de- because it's definitely not like a glamorous part of any of it either and it's like not something you want to put on instagram is that before you painted the bike you spent like an hour sanding and and then cleaning it and then masking it and all these like less desirable parts you just show, right?
0: Yeah. Well, you do show straight. the masking. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I, I show the like the logo masking, but I, not usually like like you know like taping off the bottom bracket and head tube and things like that. Where like,
0: oh yeah, it's the boring kind of stuff, mundane. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but it, I, yeah, that's the important like attention to detail kind of aspects i think that like maybe people don't notice but like it's really important because if you don't then you get either poor adhesion or then you've got paint surfaces where you're going to end up having to put like uh, a component and then you got weird paint build up and stuff like that
0: yeah how do you manage it when somebody buys a naked frame and you send them the the cans
1: um, so we do, uh, we actually, all our masking is cut on vinyl. Like, so I, I, at one point spent time on illustrator designing like vinyl sheets that would, that we cut on our plotter. And so you can literally just like take the sheet and stick the spots where they go. So that, like, we've got ones that go over the bottom bracket face, uh, ones that go on the faces of the head tube, the dropouts break, um the flatten out break spots and things like that so um Mm -hmm. for the customer it's actually pretty easy as long as and then we give them like a little instruction sheet that's like prep your bicycle by like cleaning it with alcohol and a lint-free rag and then you want to do primer and this that and the other thing Um, but yeah it's um yeah and like ultimately You you can do none of it. Like there's definitely like like painted bikes and well, we, we painted a bike at a gravel race in a dirt parking lot before. And it's like a lot of it is, I think
0: that's awesome. You can
1: get away with not being super meticulous and you're talking maybe five to 10%. And, but some of it for me is because I think I'm such a, I get nitpicky sometimes that I definitely like focus on details that don't matter. (laughs) Um, but I think that's also probably why I've been successful in other aspects of my life because I focus on things that probably don't matter, but maybe cumulatively add up to something.
0: Huh. That's awesome. Uh, so how'd squid start? Um, let's talk about Emily as well. She's a big part of it. Obviously your partner. Um, and she is why I am familiar with squid. I met her Oh, I don't know, maybe Jingle or Trek. She, for sure, Trek. I got to know her, but maybe she was coming to Jingle even before stuff was World Cups. Is that? Could that be? Uh, What's your history? Tell me, tell yeah, me your yeah. history, and then we'll uh, we'll figure out where I met Emily. So, uh,
1: yeah, Squid was kind of founded out of uh, there's a local cyclocross group where we had like these pickup races every wednesday um and my dad had been like like i said pretty big part of the cyclocross scene so i went to a couple of these like practices and met emily um and uh the two other founding members of squid uh, marty and pete and they were all part of this other like group that was based out of a bike shop in town and they were kind of doing free Wednesday night races and then building these kind of piecemeal cyclocross bikes for people to borrow and try out cyclocross for the first time. So really aimed at like oh. women and juniors who wanted to try and experience the sport. And so they are building these loaner bikes that people could take for a year, race a season, and then decide before they wanted to commit to like actually buying a bike if if they like the sport. Um, and then in conjunction with that, they were prepping for Emily to try and race UCI cross for the first time after being like, having been on the road circuit for a few years. And so this was probably 2012 or 13. Um, And then in 2013, I guess it would've been 11 or 12. And then in 13, we went to a few UCI races um, for cross, like kind of all together. and Emily had her program. She had a different bike sponsor at the time. It was company Rouse, which I don't think is around anymore. Um, But the bikes, the paint, she had custom paint done for them. And the paint job was totally not the color she had asked for. And so one of her bikes, she just like had covered in vinyl stickers. And everywhere race we went bike? with that. But yeah, it was a race bike. But it was like, she wow. to look like. Uh, the opening scene from like uh, Saved by the Bell, where it's like checkerboards and neon shapes and stuff. Um, but like that bike got a ton of attention. And so like partway through that season, we had been kind of talking about how, oh, maybe next year we should just paint the bike super wild and not have like the bike company paint them. We'll paint them in-house. And then that transitioned into, wait, what if we had our own bike company? And that way the race team could promote bikes that we sold to then fund the race team with the sales of those bikes um and that's kind of in the parking lot of a bike race we came up with this kind of scheme to sell bikes to fund bike racing i never had a big plan for it to be like a legitimate bicycle company like it was just like we want to fund bike racing through selling bikes instead of promoting somebody else's like brand that can maybe may or may not flick us in two years
0: um so basically while you were working on your mba you developed a business plan and went to the small business association and uh, came up with a, a formalized business plan to um to crumple up and throw in the garbage and just came up with a great idea in a parking lot yeah yeah dang that's awesome well the beauty of that is so many of us do that so many of us think oh i got this idea oh we should oh why don't we and here you are i don't know eight years later ish yeah like that's your gig right yeah and it it's kind of working that's super cool i just want you to know that i know you can see me even though I can't see you, I am looking for a bike that I shot in, I think Reno. Uh, what's the name of the cross uh, series that you guys have there?
1: Um, we have like Zach Cyclocross. There used to be one in the Bay Area called the Bay Area Super Prestige. And then the one in the Rocky reno area sagebrush um but there was um cross reno which they had like the after interbike left vegas and went to reno there was one year of instead of cross vegas it was cross reno
0: um i do remember that and this was uh, i don't it was either before or after that oh i'm coming up to it anyway you guys painted a bike and i talked to the dude whose bike it was And uh, he had something to do with you guys. Oh, no! Here it is. No, that's not it. That's somebody's bike.
1: I can see the head badge, kind of. I can't actually see the bike, but yeah, that
0: there we are. That's all. That's a picture of is the head badge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So So you had one that was uh, F (laughs) U.
1: Yeah, yeah. So Marty, Marty made those. Who's one of the founders? And like, he made four of them, and each of like the little letter on the front of each of them. I think there were one was like, here F, it is. one was you, one was C and one was K. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: here it is. Uh, don't ride like, uh, I just oh. found the picture. I'm going to have to send you these. Um, and I'll post them somewhere for the world to see. Uh, you can't see that, but, uh, Oh, there's the dude. Could you see the dude? Who is that? Uh,
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Matt Hargrove. He's like, he was one of the main promoters of uh, West Sac GP when we still had like a UCI cyclocross race in Sacramento.
0: All right, cool. So he had one of your bikes and he was all yeah. excited about this and he made me go get my camera and come back and shoot that bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. very yeah. excited about it. But
1: yeah. that's really
0: where I, I was indoctrinated into the the squid family. and And then I think that was at Reno and that's where I met Emily, I believe, and uh, she squitted me, and gave me a quick story of squid. If I can find my conversation with Emily, which is I don't know three minutes long, and my picture of her squidding me, I'll I'll post that as well. But um, I I loved the bikes then. What a friend of mine has one of your but he's riding a squid, loves it, and I'm like, all right, do you? like that bike because of how it rides. You get on it and you're like, oh, I just love riding this bike. It feels so good. It does exactly what I want. And it doesn't matter if it was painted like tan. Or do you love that bike because it's a squid and because of the unique paint job and it doesn't matter where the bike is came from, the origin of the bike? And he said... Chris and Emily are why I like this bike. (laughs) But anyway, tell me, like, what are you and Emily up to? You guys, you guys, four of you started it, came up with this crazy idea in a gravel parking lot, and then I went off on a tangent. I apologize for that. Oh, no,
1: it's all right. Um, Yeah, so then, like, but uh, we we naturally kind of progressed into trying to recruit a second rider because we wanted, like, a rider to balance out. Like we wanted a one male, one female rider. So then we added Anthony Clark. And so for the first three years of the team, it was Emily and Anthony as the the pro riders, and then me as the mechanic. Um, and uh, yeah, and then as Emily wanted to kind of uh, phase out of racing, uh, Emily like brought on Sammy Reynolds to kind of replace her. Um, and then. Uh, yeah, we like when Anthony retired, we brought on Ben Gomez, uh, Billafani, and then twenty twenty happened, and the team kind of fell apart uh, because all bike racing stopped. But uh, yeah, the 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 race team was for the first like five, six years of the company was the, the major focus for everything. Like everything else we did with the company was kind of based around the cyclocross season. And we would almost just like stop uh, we stop the shop for a couple months out of the year because we'd only I'd only be able to service bikes and stuff out of the shop a couple of days of the week because we'd be flying out Thursday or Friday and then home Monday. And sometimes stay on the road for two weeks at a time and then kind of jumping in and out.
0: How much of the success of squid, and I, I don't know how you define success, but I'm defining success is in the fact that you're still here, building bikes, painting bikes and shipping them out all over the world. I don't know if you're financially successful or not. Um, but uh, how much of at least what I perceive as success is because of being on the um, somewhat World Cup. You guys didn't do all the World Cups, but you really—I mean, you did go around the world. You did all the U.S. stuff uh, in cyclocross. Uh, Were players at you know races like cyclocross nationals and trek and all that? How much of your success is because? emily and anthony were uh welcoming inviting vibrant personalities on the cyclocross circuit
1: yeah uh i think especially early on that was crucial um i think the the more the comp like the longer the company like existed the more it kind of started to gain notoriety on instagram especially for just the paint jobs like even now there are people who like email and they're like will you paint my bike and then you are like no we only paint our own bikes and they're like i didn't even know you sold bikes
0: like, oh wow <laughs>
1: so they're uh but that, that's definitely like the instagram crowd um i yeah. do think like cyclocross is like the the especially like the domestic cyclocross scene is uh pretty tuned in to like like what's going on within that and so um early on that was uh i think pretty crucial for like the kind of lift off of the brand and like but at the same time it didn't it wasn't really that it wasn't a goal like it it was purely just like can we sell enough bikes that we can make more so we have bikes for the team kind of thing
0: that's Um, crazy that's awesome i love that and that
1: I mean, for yeah, the first five years, a hundred percent of the profits of the company just went back into the team. Like we didn't like um, that's where everything went. It was just like funding, travel, and like race entries and lodging and all the things that come with that. And then oh, and then uh, like paying rider salary because we paid the riders like we were. That was part of it too. Is we, we had tried like a couple different like ways we wanted at first we wanted it to be like kind of um like pro skateboard style where you could buy like the anthony clark edition bike Hmm. um but that that didn't really take off that well like we would just we i think we sold two emily edition bikes and maybe and one anthony one and so they weren't they, we weren't getting these big commission checks for the riders that we had kind of like had in our oh, mind. Oh, I see. Like, and so uh, we went... name
0: in, like the name image likeness system at a college, like sell a bunch yeah. of, um, I don't know, give me a name of a college player uh, t-shirts. And then you give them the money that the t-shirts made.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And cause like in Forget. skateboarding, it would, it was like, you know, you'd have the uh, Eric Costin pro model deck and like, I guess I don't know for sure, but I as a kid I always assumed that like if I bought an Eric Costin board then he got like some of that money. Yeah, At least that's what I, I hoped. <laughs> and so like we, that's what we would try to kind of like build as. Um but it like I don't know, that was I mean, that's the other nice thing about being a small company is you can just like adapt. So it's like, Okay, well that's not working, so we'll just pay like a monthly stipend to the riders so that hopefully they don't have to work side jobs quite as much because i mean it's still cross, so we weren't paying them like
0: they were making a hundred grand a year a living wage
1: <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, enough that there could be like work work slightly less ride slightly more and then uh once cross came try to cover as many of the expenses of bike racing as we could
0: I mean, other than like world tour riders, I think you just just described every competitive cyclist make like just enough so you can work a little bit less and ride a little bit more yeah that's that's professional cycling right there folks um so uh what about mount bike? Can you guys build some mount bike mountain bikes um
1: oh yeah, actually, we just uh literally today uh put 20 more on the web store so
0: oh nice so yeah, i should go just, on and uh, click and buy yeah <laughs> at uh, in your web store uh, squidbikes.com is that correct yep nice um are, how involved are you into the mountain biking world um so i
1: mean i from the xc side point of view uh, i work um with for the usa cycling national team as the the mountain bike mechanic as well as cyclocross mechanic so uh yeah i spent a lot of time working on mountain bikes now um and then i ride mountain bikes not as much as i'd like but that's because i have to spend 45 minutes in the car to like get somewhere where there's decent mountain biking yeah where i can ride cross single track 10 minutes out my door like just ride across town and then i'm on some like river trails so I tend to, to opt for skinny tires over uh, mountain bike, but yeah, I do like mountain biking.
0: Well, do you guys have anyone racing your bikes? Uh, no, I mean, cause we, we don't make an XC
1: bike, um, oh, right now okay. it's, we kind of make the, the trail tail. So, you know, like long travel, hard tail, um, which, um, and actually even now, uh, when when it came out it was long travel but now it's like pretty standard because it's 120. so all XC bikes are 120 now, so I guess it's just
0: it's an Xc bike. <laughs> Where do you want squid to go? what What's your vision today?
1: Uh, that's an interesting question. Um, I don't know like I mean honestly it's a lot of it is just kind of making the bikes that we want to ride. Uh, that's been the uh, Paul Price from Paul Components. Like told me that when we first started, he's like, Don't listen to anybody else. Just make the stuff that like you and your friends want to ride and like then you'll be well. Cool. I can't remember the exact end of the quote, but it was either happy or that probably wasn't successful, but you know, something. Uh, but that's that's kind of what we've stayed true to, where it's like all the bikes we make are genuinely like bikes that we're interested in riding. Um mm. And so they all fit some kind of need that we've found from what we're trying to do. Um and that's uh so yeah, that's what we kind of continue to do is make products that we either use like daily or like are basically making them for ourselves because it's something we wanna do. And that's like the dickies with the chamois where it's like don't wanna ride in her all the time. So we found a seamstress who like we ordered some bulk chamois from italy and like bought dickies wholesale and have them sewn in so then you can have some slight padding when you're wearing dickies because we were just wearing dickies and wool underwear on the river all the time
0: that's awesome see a need fill a need yeah that's awesome we've been chatting for uh 40 minutes here and i i want to I don't want to go on forever and ever and ever, although I think we could. Uh, You work as a mechanic uh, currently for the blue competition team with um, uh, Sonny Gilbert, who's been on this pod. Uh, I just, and in in fact, after we're done, I need to finish editing and upload uh, Cassie Hickey. Uh, She rides with the blue squad, and she was very... Complimentary of you, you took have taken good care of her, and then the current defending national champ, Eric Bruner. So good squad. I know there's some other kids on there whose names slip me right now, but uh, you're a mechanic for them. What's what's life on in the circus? Yeah, circuit. Uh, circuit. I meant circuit. I didn't mean circus. I mean Certainly it is not. a circus. <laughs> it no, is a we, circus.
1: That that is one of the. Uh, like affectionate terms. I think a lot of people use where it's like, it is a traveling circus, everyone drives from one city to the next, and sets up tents and rides around in circles, and then moves to the next city. But um,
0: yeah. uh, And hand you their bike when they're done riding in circles, and you get to clean it and put it back together and make sure it's good for the next uh, stop on the uh, circus. So what's life like as a mechanic? Is it hectic? Is it fun? Do you dread heading out on the road? Do you look forward to it? Tell me about life as a mechanic.
1: I definitely, like, after 2020 was the year where I realized how much I missed being, like, on the circuit. Because I was, like, watching all the European races at home, like, in my shop like every day just still working on bikes but wasn't in the field with all my friends and i was like okay as soon as i can i need to get back there Hmm. um and so that's uh, i definitely like it's it's kind of some type two fun at a lot of the time where it's like in the moment when you're standing in the rain and everything is wet and everything is hectic that it's like i don't know i do find myself laughing sometimes but i think i enjoy the chaos um because like when everyone else is freaking out and if i'm not freaking out and everyone else is then i feel really good (laughs) like i'm like having a lot of fun um but yeah uh no i i cyclocross is by far my favorite discipline to work um i think i end up with the like closest relationship with the riders that way where like there's a lot of back and forth feedback um kind of talking about uh obviously like tire options pressure changes and then there's obviously things like mid-race stuff where like and i've always kind of when i've brought in new mechanics into the sport and trying kind of teaching the biggest thing i've always told other mechanics is like we can't win the race for them but you can screw it up and, like, that's always something that I've really liked is, like, nobody's going to, like, if you're good at your job, no one should know who you are. But, like, yeah. if you're bad at your job, then, well, I'm probably ever no one will know who you are, but you, everyone will know you did a bad job.
0: Do um, you remember Katie Compton rolling a tire?
1: Which time? But, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, like, we know who put that tire on. Anyway. Yeah uh you're you're right about that other other than um that tire we wouldn't have any idea who who her uh mechanic is that's as far as yeah. I'm taking yeah but i mean
1: like and that that's i i make the joke but it's at the same time it's for especially for like someone like mark where he's did it for well over a decade like you're gonna roll one at some point like yeah, it's just inevitable sure. like um uh but then that's it. It's like no one notices you when you do your job well. And so but like when Katie rolls her tire, then everyone's like, oh, Mark screwed up the tire.
0: Yep. Exactly.
1: So it's kind of that that uh you and and I i don't know, like I, you I must be a masochist because then I'm doing this job where no one notices you unless you screw it up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um I was introduced to you by uh, Doug, so uh, you didn't screw anything up, and that's and I still got to know you. So <laughs> you are okay there. Uh, do you have any interesting stories from your life on the road? Um,
1: I, I, I'm trying to think. I mean, yeah, like, I mean, there's all kinds of weird things that kind of happen over time. Like, why well, there's last year I met Scott McGill because i went to what was supposed to be an airbnb with caleb schwartz and a couple other riders and uh the airbnb was like a boarded up house and so then it was like just happened that caleb had like cooled down with this was baltimore last year and it was like caleb had cooled down with scott mcgill and was just like hey uh this airbnb is not like a place we can stay uh and so like Ended up driving out to his farm and hanging out, and I'm like Scott's. I, I Scott's one of my friends now. It's cool. Like I, whenever I'm in Maryland, I go stay at his house again. And it's cool, hmm. just like weird things like that. And that's like the, one of the things I think I really like about Cross is everyone's so friendly with each other because it's such a small community. Um,
0: but do you not get that same feeling in the world of mountain biking?
1: Um. I mean, so I honestly, I don't have the best read on domestic mountain bike racing because I haven't worked. I've only really been to uh, like World Cups. So i I've okay. like Mount St. Ann and then um, a handful of World Cups in Europe. Um, and
0: you're not really doing the uh, the U.S. national circuit.
1: No. So um, and like it. it it is similar in the sense that it is like that same kind of thing where it's this, the same group of people moving from city to city, but it's more insulated. Like the, like, I, I feel like the mechanics tend to know each other a bit better um, than like, like in the same way. Uh, so I know some of the same mechanics because it's like, Oh, if you're a cross guy, then when I see you at the mountain bike race, like wave better each other sure. and talk, talk in the tech zone. But um i feel like the teams the like the there's the huge team compounds and everybody kind of stays in their their zone a bit more and and don't see as much of the other staff unless you make a point i I try and make a point when it's like oh if i'm done with my work for the day i'm like gonna walk over to the the norco 10 go talk to my buddy or like go talk to Reg down at like Team 31. Wh- wh- whoever, whoever I know is at that race. Like I-, I always try and make an effort to go find my friends and say hi and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's, uh, and maybe some of it is because I it's not my, I'm a bit newer to, to mountain biking. Um, yeah. Like uh, that it's, it's less of my, I'm not like super entrenched in that scene. So I'm like just starting to kind of make more friends there. Whereas like Cross, I definitely know more people. Like, yeah. even in Europe, it's, like, I know a lot of, like, some of the Czech mechanics and, like, because you see the same people when you're there every year. It's, like, always oh, the same guys. And so you kind of just get used to, like, saying hi to each other and people are, like, pretty friendly. But especially in the U.S., like, the U.S., because it's so, so niche and there's so much less funding. A lot of times it's, like, you have to kind of look out for each other, even if your riders are on different teams. Like, uh, I mean... There have been multiple times where, like, I I'll catch the bike for the rider who is like facing like who's directly competing against my rider, just because I know if it's the situations flip, they're gonna do the same thing for me. Um, that's just because it's like you don't want you don't want that to be the reason that the race is decided either. It's like you want the riders to to do it, but unless you have the budget to where you've got like a not like. Two, reg- two staff for every rider it's like you kind of have to work together
0: yeah that's cool i dig that that's very cool and it sounds like you're more of a freshman sophomore when you head to the mountain bike circus and yeah, you yeah. are definitely a fourth year fifth year sixth year senior super senior on the cyclocross circuit
1: yeah it's, <laughs> that's fair um yeah, i like it's mountain biking is funny like i've worked in mountain bike shops so i got a lot of experience with suspension and working on mountain bikes but i hadn't really done much i worked a couple of the epic ride races so a lot of endurance mountain bike
0: Mm. but i
1: hadn't done any race stuff until uh worlds last year so Mm. i guess that would have been 2021 mountain bike worlds like i just got the call and was like uh kind of a couple weeks beforehand. It's like, hey, do you want to work Mountain Bike World? I was like, yes, please get me out of here. I'm so bored at home. Like, I'll come do it. (laughs)
0: That's cool. That's uh, that's probably a fun call to get. Yeah. For sure.
1: Um, Yeah, it was me and Mike Barry. We were joking because we looked at the forecast, and it was like rain on the forecast. It's like, you just hired a couple cyclocross mechanics because you needed someone to wash bikes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Who knew how to work in the rain. Yeah. Absolutely. So before we go, I... We have to talk about your toolbox. Yeah. Yeah. How would you describe your toolbox to somebody who can't see it?
1: Um, so the, I I've had quite a few boxes over the years. And one of my favorite ones before this was the Pedro's box with the, the wings that folded out, but I can never get the pockets to work for my tools correctly. Mm-hmm. So, I sat with all my tools and pieces of construction paper and lined them all up and marked all the pockets out and then had uh, my very talented friend Ivy Audrain sew pockets for all my tools out of Cordura to these pieces of ABS plastic that I cut and riveted them into a Pelican box. Um, So I have, uh, yeah, four custom pallets that hold uh, all my like major use tools and then two layers of foam inserts for the um, little bit uh, less frequently used tools underneath.
0: And those foam things like every tool has a custom cutout bed for it.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I worked with, um, there's a company in, uh, Canada called guard dog inserts that does laser cut foam. Uh, and I did some artwork for them, uh, for some bleed boxes. And in exchange, they did my laser, they laser cut some pallets for me for the box. And then they also like laser cut my design into the the top. So it's got like a little tunes pattern, uh, in, in the foam as well, which is cool.
0: It's very cool. It's super impressive uh doug was telling me uh, oh you got to see this guy's toolbox before i met you and i'm like <laughs> yeah i mean i've seen a toolbox mine's pretty cool i've got stickers on it from 1982 so it's cool but my toolbox like you open it up and there's a tray with a whole bunch of crap in it and you pull the tray out and then there's a whole bunch of crap in the bed of the toolbox you do not ever fish for a tool do you
1: no i the most yeah i do is like Yeah, take that top pallet out if I have to get something from the bottom one. But it's like it's intentionally set up so that like most races I don't have to go to that bottom pallet. It's just things like my drill, bearing press, uh, yeah, some uh, bottom bracket like tools and stuff like that.
0: Stuff you should not have to worry about at the race. Yep. Stuff that should be already done and done and dusted. Um, Tell me about your upcoming box.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, so I'm building a new box uh, that is basically going to be my team box because uh, I'll be sticking with the, the team for next year. So uh, because the one I have is really good for national teamwork. So it's got everything I could possibly need for both SRAM and Shimano and everything in between. Um, but I wanted to build a box that was more dedicated for working for uh the blue team and so uh i basically just picked out all the tools i needed just for those bikes um and then i'm gonna i'm sewing all the pallets out of leather so i uh watched um a bunch of uh, leather tutorial videos on youtube um this is not an original idea actually so sebastian uh boyington uh sparky from uh who used to be adam craig's mechanic he was the first person I saw who sewed his own like leather palettes, and but when I saw his I was like oh man that's awesome and so uh I did I did like uh cordura for my last one which was really good but uh because I I can't actually use a sewing machine that well but I did a fair amount of leather stitching um as a boy scout I'm gonna try my hand at leather stitching
0: that's awesome I I love that uh I feel like you, you really walk the line. You live in the gray between craftsman and artist. You're an artistic craftsman, (laughs) a craftsman, creative. That's awesome. I love all that. And do you have, are you, I know the uh, squid is on Instagram and I want to encourage people to look for squid on Instagram. Is that the best place for them to look for squid stuff?
1: Yeah, yeah. Squid and then squidbikes.com.
0: And squidbikes.com they can like, click and purchase, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we have a lot of we started using the the shop side of Instagram a bit. I'm not uh, I don't actually because it all just goes to the web store. I don't know how much stuff we actually sell through Instagram.
0: Uh, help. But they could I buy do. something through Instagram. They can
1: buy stuff through Instagram.
0: Oh, that's um, fun. Yeah. Do you have a personal page? Anywhere? I
1: do. Uh, yeah, it's uh Namica, so N-O-M-M-E-K-E. Uh and that's I mostly just post pictures that I take. I sometimes will post a picture of myself, but I, I generally just post pictures that uh, I take, which is mostly shot on film camera. I oh, do cool. have a digital camera, but a lot of it is just 35 millimeter scans.
0: Huh? Fun. Why do you do that? I told you you're an uh, artist.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, and I, I bought a 35 mil camera in Japan one trip when I was there. Uh, and it was super cheap at like a used shop and shot a bunch of rolls there. And then there, there's a, it's nice. Cause there's like a, um a shop near near my store that does um film development um and so that's kind of i started taking it there um now one of my buddies who i ride with all the time does his own developing and scanning so it's nice because i even get that for free so i just have to shoot stuff and then give it to him and he takes that's care awesome
0: it. boy that's it takes care of it for me you won the lottery right then and there yeah <laughs> but
1: <laughs> i do like i've started shooting more uh digital again uh just because it's le- it's less stuff for me to carry if i know i'm gonna like shoot a bunch i don't have to worry about oh do i have enough rolls because like, yeah. i've had a hard time trying to find film uh
0: yeah abroad that.
1: um so yeah i got a little like fuji camera uh, that i i take a fair amount uh on race trips and stuff now too
0: but huh, super cool yeah. Well, listen, I loved hearing about the story of Squid. I think what uh what you guys are doing is super cool. Mostly, I mean, uh, American frames, American paint job. It's uh it's hip and just kind of grew out of grassroots passion for biking, which is great. Yeah. And you guys are making it work, which is greater than great. It's, it's just great. <laughs> Um anyway, I appreciate your time and uh hopefully you know people will be clicking on uh squidbikes.com or looking hunting you down on the gram and seeing your story and uh being inspired. I love it. Yeah.
1: You gonna be at Nationals? Uh
0: I am not going to Nationals. My last trip to Nationals in Hartford, Connecticut was great and so horrible.
1: Yeah, that was rough. (laughs) It was
0: so rough, and I just got so sick. Like, uh, Zach has pictures of me, like, asleep, standing, like, hugging my camera, asleep against a tree in between races. Because, you know, I worked for Cyclocross Magazine, and we covered every single race every day as if it was the uh, elite national championships. You know a thousand pictures of the girls' eight to ten year old race, and yeah, then a thousand pictures of the boys eight to ten year old race and on and on all the way up to eighty eight uh, so it's just exhausting when the weather is good, like Reno was great weather and exhausting, but man, Hartford and I just got so sick, so yeah no I'm not going to Hartford. I'll wish you the best. <laughs> <laughs> and have fun in Europe. You'll go to Europe for a month after that?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, go for first period, pop back home for a week, and then go back for um, Benidorm, uh, Bas-Sasson and Hoogerhide Worlds.
0: Oh, nice. Well, cheer yeah. on the uh, red, white, and blue at Worlds for us, would you?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be, I think, a uh, fun one. Hoogerhide's a good race. I right. like. It's one of my favorite
0: ones to go to. Because of mud
1: uh yeah that and the parking space we're at is like right around the corner from a frittery so like i usually end up getting to eat a lot of fries so well
0: that's awesome hey man (laughs) you gotta have something to look forward to right (laughs)
1: yeah (laughs) but you know it it is also a good venue um but the the ease of access to food is like a huge motivator for me
0: (laughs) i appreciate that i do appreciate that that's awesome all right, dude, I'll let you go and uh, get some bikes taped up and painted and sent out around the world. And uh, yeah. and again, when you open your, like, empty can of spray paint museum, I want, I want in on that, all right? All right. All right, peace, dude. I appreciate be... it. You did. Well, that was a great conversation with Chris Namba. I really appreciate his time, taking the time to meet with me. Honestly, I... Would love to go out and get a beer with Chris. Seems like we would be good friends. I would enjoy riding with him. Free-spirited, fun, creative, kind of an engineering mind, analytical it seems. Anyway, super fun to uh, get to know Chris a lot better, get to know the story of Squid. And again, I really appreciate his time. Look them up on squidbikes.com. Follow them on Instagram at squidbikes. So, I also, you know, I kind of want to say something about this, because uh, you've, if you've listened to the podcast for long, if you know this dude, if you haven't, then go back to some earlier episodes, whose numbers I don't remember, and look for Chris Daggs. Chris Daggs has been deep in the world of road cycling, of track cycling, in the U.S. for many years, he was uh, coached on the track for the U.S. cycling team. Coached on the road for U.S. cycling team, and most recently was a coach with the Lux Development Sport. He was—he was not co- just coach. He was director sportif of the Lux Cycling Development Team, which unfortunately has closed its doors. But uh, uh, Chris. You know, one of my earliest conversations with Dags, I asked him to rate road cycling in the US. A, B, C, D, or F. It did not get an F, thanks to uh, some of the, I mean, we really have a great number of Americans riding really well on the world tour circuit, like at the highest levels. I mean, gosh, on mountain bikes, on cross bikes, on road bikes, and on the track. So it's hard to give the US an F, but dang, as far as like local racing, as far as big time races here in the US, we've seen better days for sure. And I believe Chris gave US cycling scene a C maybe? I have to go back and listen but anyway I completely appreciate when somebody's like see a need fill a need and just this week Dag's well what pops up on his Instagram feed and Facebook page or whatever eight races in central Iowa eight road races starting in April going through August maybe even September I don't remember the dates they're being kind of formed now he does have a bunch of dates look for CDS coaching on Instagram or Chris Dags on Instagram so anyway a bunch of dates like the dude is taken matters into his own hands and promoting eight races road races do you know how hard that is that is hard to do You guys, I've put on a race and it's a huge headache. It's so hard and it is thankless. And I mean, if you're super good, you might come away with like $8.47 at the end of the day, but you're not in it for the money. So big time kudos to Chris Daggs for putting on a bunch of races. We're gonna talk about it in a, a future podcast. I'm going to sit down and and hopefully from around the country Chris can be a model for resurrecting it's uh, probably a strong word but that's what I'm gonna say resurrecting road racing in the US and uh, you know making it accessible and fun on the local level because you do not get international champions you do not get guys who who pound out in the front of the Tour de France pacing their team leader who's in yellow up high mountains in the Alps without starting locally. And so Chris and I are gonna talk about that. So that's all a segue to, I wanna thank Bike Iowa for hosting the Bike Talk with Dave podcast. Bike Iowa is home to all kinds of events from road races cyclocross races mountain bike races poker runs coffee rides charity rides all kinds of rides in iowa and around the midwest and i want to encourage you to check out bikeiowa.com and watch future events for eight more races on the road in the des moines area Uh, you know what i also got to give a shout out to DSM boards, they are not a sponsor, I just want to be clear, Uh, (laughs) it is my daughter's, she is uh, helping kick that company off the ground, and they do a great job with super creative charcuterie boards, whether it's a dessert board, whether it's a holiday board, whether it's a birthday board with a special theme, uh, your typical charcuterie boards with cheese and like that really thinly sliced, uh, I don't know, what is that meat, Um, Italian meat that is yummy. Uh, Not pastrami, you all know what I'm talking about. Anyway, charcuterie boards, there's like grapes on it and stuff. Maybe some cranberries, some yummy dip. Look for DSM boards on Instagram, on Facebook. They have a website, I'll put a link in the show notes and you can connect up. Thanks again for listening to Bike Talk with Dave. Bike Talk with Dave is a production of Summit Media Films, an award-winning independent film company that can take care of all your video, still photography, editing needs. Check us out on Instagram at Summit Media Films. Again, I appreciate you listening, and I hope you have a great week. Stay warm, everybody.